0: In The understanding of the scripture that when we recognize what Jesus did for us in giving his life and shedding his blood and we receive that price, right? It was the Chastisement or the price for us to be brought into peace and reconciliation with God It was a price the shedding of his blood was a price When you and I said I accept that price that was paid Jesus be the Lord of my life He said at that moment we have to understand it. We have to grasp it. But what was going on at that moment is we said, my life is no longer my own. Why? Because you bought my life. Your life was never really your own anyway. You were under the slavery of sin. You belonged under the slavery, the dictation of the course of this world, which is dictated by the prince of the power of the air, as he's about to say in, in, in chapter 2. That we just get caught up in the world and the ways that the world goes and we don't, even, we don't even think about it. Why? Because it's such a driving force. It's such a moving force. The world is moving in such a rapid pace, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, that we get caught up in ideology, we get caught up in thought, we get caught up in action, we get caught up in opinion that goes along with the world, and we're not even thinking about what's changing in our life. I remember not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, we went through Romans chapter 1, And just as we were reading in the Word of God, how it's not normal for a man to be with a man sexually or a woman to be with a woman sexually, and it shocked me. It was like the air sucked out of the room right here. (gasps) See, all of a sudden, we changed our opinion. The world's flowing, and it so pumps you with opinion and what they think is right that all of a sudden, you hear the Word of God, and if you're not careful, you're like, how can God think that way? Well, God's your creator. God can think that way because he knows exactly what's right, what functions for us, how he created us. He's not concerned with the creature telling the creator how he was created. He's more interested with the creature understanding how the creator created him for good. And so he said, if you understand that, you no longer are your own you no longer give your body to sexual immorality you no longer give your body to evil things because paul said in romans the sixth chapter don't you understand that who you lend your members over to is what you will become a slave of whether of sin even though you're born again he just laid that all out right we're under grace not under the law sin should not have dominion over you anymore we can confess that you should confess that But to just say sin no longer has dominion over me means I understand that I died with him. I was buried. I raised with him to a newness of life and now my life belongs to him and if I understand that I will give myself over to that right relationship with him and righteousness that goes with that and it will govern my life and it will direct my life and it will direct my actions, my conduct. But if I don't understand that I say well sin no longer has dominion but I give myself over to sinful conduct, and it begins to dominate and to govern my life. And so when we say that Jesus is Lord, right? And sometimes we come to this place of saying, Jesus is my Savior, and He is, but Jesus is Lord. It says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord, and you believe that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. And the word Lord doesn't just mean Savior. The, Lord, the word Lord means Master, so whether you walked the front or you knelt down in your room or you were driving in your car when that, that the Spirit of God came on you and let you know that you need Jesus. You need to be born again. You need eternal life. You said, Jesus, become the master of my life. I give it all to you. Now you're the Lord. And so when Paul says it's only our reasonable service, he's speaking from that perspective. Many times as Christians we don't have that perspective. We think... I'll give to God what I want to give to God. I'll give him my Sundays, as long as it doesn't go too long. might give him my Wednesday night. I might give him another night. But, I mean, i got all this other stuff to do. And we start to get into, this is my life. This is my schedule. This is my time. And understanding that if you have children and you have a vocation and you have things to do, When we get to scheduling our own, we say, God, I don't think you know. I don't think you really know all that I have on my plate. And even in our thinking, we reduce God to this place. And when we reduce God to a place where we don't think he knows, we subject ourselves to the lies of the enemy about our life. When we say, God, you know better how you created me, you know better what to do with my time, you know what you've called me to do, and my calling is not my vocation, it may fit into my vocation, but you know you've called me to something higher, and you are the one that orders my steps. So if I give to you myself in service, and I allow you to lead me, you will help me order my days order my time and order my steps And there will be times that god orders our steps When there's something that we want to do and there's something else that he wants us to do And really I could ask this question. I won't ask you to raise your hands But how many of you have had an unction to do one thing That God was telling you to do and you decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing and you ended up in trouble. It's just a small encapsulized thing, but many times we're saying, you know, not today, God, I'll do my thing today. I'll come back to this later. But all of a sudden we're in trouble and we don't know why, but it's the fact that we gave ourselves over to something other than God and it began to grab hold of our life and create trouble. The second thing is don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's so much information in the day that we live in that if we are not spending time meditating on the word of God, if we are not spending time thinking about what God thinks about things and not formulating, not again dictating God, I think you should think. I've pastored for almost 29 years, and the number of times I've sat down with people, and they say, I don't think God feels this way. But you could show them in the scripture, God says, I'm not thrilled with this. You could show it to them and say, well, I know that's what the Bible says, but I really don't think that God really feels that deeply about it. And see, what we've done is we've got our mind beginning to parcel off things And we're saying what the world thinks about it, what the world is telling us every day begins to get ingrained in our mind and how we operate within the systems of this world, the ideologies of this world. It's more difficult to say, I'm going to go God's way. But if we go God's way, we'll overcome evil with good. If we lend our bodies as a living sacrifice, we'll overcome evil with good. The church, it's a time to rise up. It's a time to be focused on what God has. When you listen to the news every day and it's like there's a wall up there, there's, there's all the things and there's the talking points every single day about the politics, about the leadership that's going to go on, what's going to happen in November if this happens and that happens, what's happening with coronavirus and all the confusion that's going on and creating division in families, in workplaces, in homes and it's dividing people and there's something you're just like, what is going on? But it's a thin veil that if we pull it back and renew our mind to what God is saying, God is actively working in the spirit realm, doing something incredible. He's working revival. He just needs the church to see beyond the natural and begin to see what he's doing. And say, whatever you're doing, I want to get on board with what you're doing. I don't want to be consumed with what the world is doing and the way the world is doing it. I don't want to be consumed with the ideology of the world and the feelings of the world and the things of the world. But I want to be consumed with the things that God has set in motion. Just understand as we look at evil that goes on around us and you look at it and you may view it if you watch the news. If you don't, praise the Lord. But if you do and you're like that over in that town, they're just showing people lawlessness and evil lawlessness and evil sin and evil Just begin to speak to that where sin abounds grace is much more abound. That there's a move of God coming to that city that place where sin is trying to take over where sin abounds grace does much more abound To align our thinking with God's thinking The third thing about overcoming evil with good give your body a living sacrifice Cause your mind to be renewed that there's a transformation in your thinking to live humbly, to live humbly. I believe this chapter is leading us into things that will cause us to experience the plan of God and the giftings of God and the power of God in our life to such a degree that if we're not careful, if we don't first learn humility, we will begin to bring it all to us. My gift, my ministry, this is what I'm doing. Look at me. And he says, if you'll just humble yourself and understand how to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But to think soberly. To think, oh my goodness. Here I am with my ability. But God has graced my life with something that goes far beyond what I could do. See, when you start operating in the grace of God, people start recognizing, wait a minute, this isn't you. You couldn't do this. And that transitional moment of saying, you know what, I understand that. Thank you very much. But we know that it's the grace of God that's working in our life, and we begin to give glory to God. That God will move the moment we say, you know what, you're right. This is way beyond what I can normally do. I'm really getting to be something. He says, if you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. God will position you in great places to influence people around you. But if we exalt ourself, we will be humbled. And God doesn't want us to be humbled. God wants us to humble ourselves, that he may bring us into positions of influence and utilize the gifts and the graces that are in our life. And when you come to realize and recognize the gifts and the graces that are in your life, and we call them areas of ministry, the gifts in our life. It's very easy to look back and to say, well, right there, right where you are, Pastor, right there. My gift brings me to the pulpit. But really, the fivefold ministry gifts equip the saints to do work of ministry. It equips you in your graces where you are. Some of you will be called to stand in the pulpit and minister, but some of you are waiting for a pulpit. And God says, right now, where you are, what you're doing is essential. It's important to the people in the community because it's not places that other people will go. It's where you are planted. To minister to people and we find that many times over as we begin to recognize and go through this and begin to respect and honor one another and the gifts that are in them and put them in the proper place we will help us as a church to understand you don't have to be in a visible position to understand that your gift is working powerfully I love it when somebody says, I was at work the other day and I got a chance to minister to somebody. I prayed with somebody. But so often we pray with two or three people. They get saved. We pray for somebody and they get healed. And we transfer and say, that's good. God must be calling me to ministry. God already called you to ministry and you were doing it. So as we can begin to recognize as Paul says, and, and the graces, and some of them are used in the church. Some of them are used every day. Some of them are used out in the world. When we humble ourselves, we're not comparing ourselves by ourselves. So Paul went into these graces, we talked about them last week. They're incredibly important. The day that we live in prophecy is seems to be very important, but as he's talking about here, it's just talking about if you're called to preach, proclaim the word of God, Do it in the measure of faith that you have. In other words, don't go just buy the the most popular message and listen to it and listen to it and preach the most popular message. Let God stir your heart and proclaim what you have faith in. Because as you communicate your faith and what you believe, as we were saying today, as you begin to acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus, when you begin to acknowledge what God has done through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you believe in it, and it's taken you through some difficulty, and it's taken you through some uh, tribulation, some troublesome times, and people know that and they see that, it causes them to believe the same thing that you believe and put their trust in Jesus, not you. Not the flamboyance of the message and how you present it and the personality that presents it, but in the word of God and That's what the apostle paul said in first corinthians chapter 2. He said listen, I don't come to you With excellency of speech I don't come to you all refined which I find that hard to believe with all of the education that paul had I believe he was humbling himself. He must have been a good speaker with all the doctorates and Certificates and stuff that he had but he said I'm not coming to you My my goal is not excellency of speech that you would be drawn to me But my goal is to bring to you the message of the gospel and that your faith would be not in men But in the power of God So as we begin to grasp that and know that there's people that we work with people that we live around people that we will be moving and navigating around We're not stirring up all of our our gifts so that someday we'll be recognized by somebody higher, but we're stirring up the gifts that the gift will be recognized by somebody who needs the gift. Maybe your sons and your daughters, maybe your neighbors, maybe the person that you work with, maybe the person that you work with, sons or daughters, needs something from the power of God, need an encouragement, need an exhortation need to sit down and just be taught a few things about the Word of God. Those giftings are on the inside of you. Maybe they need some generosity, and you have that gift of generosity. It works not only in the church, but it works wherever we are. And the devil will try to convince you that if you don't get to stand in a position that is recognized by somebody else, that your gift is not recognized. But I'm just telling you, there's people out there who have come in contact with you that see something on you that is gifted. It's the grace of God. They see it. And don't get angry. Well, people out there see it, Pastor, but you don't. That's not true. We see it, and it belongs out there. Come on. Are you all with me? We're a little flat today. Sorry. Come on, it starts working. You start having fulfillment. You start... Praying with people to be born again. You start laying hands on the sick and the sick start recovering. Then there's not just one. There's not just two. Then all of a sudden there's a small group. And it's not just sanction. It's a small group. It begins to disciple people. And the people that you taught to go share Jesus with somebody, they go share Jesus with somebody that they know. And it starts to exponentially grow because you have graces in your life. That when we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but we think soberly. We serve others, whether in the church or outside of the church, with grace. With grace. Praise the Lord. And then he comes back to this age-old thing that we're always going to have to talk about. No matter what. If you're going to overcome evil with good, We are going to have to learn to love. We've talked about extravagant love, but he says here, let your love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't let your love, that word hypocrisy means like somebody acting on a stage. He says, don't let your love just be outward and show to somebody. But he said, let your love truly be love. Don't just make it look like you love people, but underneath you're grinding and you're struggling with it. But let love of God settle in your heart and love with the fullness of the love of God that is shed abroad in your heart. He says, don't be acting out love like an actor acts out their part. He says, but truly from the position that you're in, love. Love without acting the part, but living the part. Come on, when we say that we love and we start moving in, in the aspects of human love that we think will move, we, we begin to, evil starts to set in and say, if I act this way to this person and I show them love, they will love me back. They will reward me for that love. And we start acting like we love people that we don't really have a heart for. We, we love them because of what they'll do for us. And he says, listen, that's hypocrisy. That's acting it out for your own benefit, but the love of God doesn't act it out for your own benefit The love of God loves for the benefit of the person being loved He said you keep your heart pure When we love without hypocrisy All right that went over big so let's move on to the next one All this has to do with love he says abhor evil abhor evil really in abhorring evil you have to love what is good turn over to 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 1st Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 15 He says see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always everybody say always Always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Everybody say, and for all. <laughs> that starts to really mess with us. God's really seeking to increase our capacity in this day. I really believe that, church. I believe there's going to be some inspired ideas. There's going to be some direction from God. How we begin to see people differently. We begin to see the all From the perspective that God sees the all and we're not just caught up in a few things for ourselves, but we're beginning to see all He says pursue uh, Render evil for evil uh, But do good not to just yourself, but for all rejoice always Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you Do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecy test all things and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, listen, if we haven't renewed our mind to the Word of God, you know, a couple take 10s ago, went back into Isaiah where he said, Listen, you're going to have people calling evil good and good evil, light darkness, darkness light. Listen, if your mind's not renewed, people will convince you that something is evil is good, something that is in darkness is light. It's coming in the last days that, that those talking points to try to convince people that what they're doing that is evil is okay. It's really a form of good. And so we renew our minds. We give ourselves over to good and we begin to abhor evil. That word to abhor is apostugio. My Greek's not that good. But the last part of that, that stugio means to dislike, to have a horror of. It's a hatred which is expressed. The apo part of that is away from, a separation. So he says, you let be be known that you think something is evil by separating yourself from it. We've been convinced that tolerance of evil things is the way that we should go. We need to be more tolerant. But God says right here, if it's evil... Separate yourself from it. Don't tolerate it. Don't accept it into your thinking, but stand fast. This is evil Now listen, he's putting it together how we abhor what is evil yet. We love other people You can hate the evil and love the people In fact, if you love people and see evil coming upon them and destroying their life, it causes you to hate evil more and more and more I know many of you here have relatives that Cancer has taken over them, but when you watch somebody die of that disease, you begin to hate it. You hate what it does to the human body. You hate how it steals life from them, and you just watch it. It just draws life from them day after day after day. It takes their weight off. It takes their muscle off. It takes everything away from them, and you're watching, and you begin to hate it. And when we hate that evil so much. We won't accept it as a norm. We won't accept it as a death sentence to somebody that gets it because we hate it and we know and love the fact that Jesus already bore that in his own body and we begin to lay claim to it in such a way of powerful faith. We'll begin to overcome that evil with good. There are things out there, there's actions, there's things out there that we just see more and more and you just learn to accept it, but the Bible says... Learn to hate it, not accept it. Learn to hate it, not accept it. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. How y'all doing? Again, talking about how we're going to move in love he says verse 10 be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another we as the body of Christ he's talking about that brotherly love it's time for the body to come together and not be separated it's time to love with a brotherly love that we are the family of God that we love one another and because we love one another we're affectionate with one another. And I'm not talking about just really coming and being affectionate like we think so soft But we're affected by what each other go through When somebody weeps, we weep with them When they rejoice, we rejoice with them We're affectionate in the fact that we're involved in our prayer life We're involved in watching what's going on with the family Needs in the family. How do we minister to those? We begin to honor one another giving preference to one another philippians chapter 2 now i know if we're not careful we can just go you know what we know all this stuff but i believe with all of my heart that looking at this and understanding the days that we live in and the days that we live in from a world's perspective are evil I'm not trying to bring doom and gloom. They are But instead of getting caught up and just going in the flow of that we have a great opportunity to be totally different And instead of seeing the evil that's in the world, we see the glory that God wants to reveal through us his church He wants to raise up a people that are virtually not affected Mentally physically or emotionally by all the things that are going on around them, but they've received the word of God They've received the life and the power of the Holy Spirit They've stirred up and recognized the grace that God's put in their life And they are out there in the midst of the world We're out there in the midst of where people are in trouble because the world is evil and we're bringing good in the midst of evil We're not going with the flow. We're not allowing our bodies to be caught up in in, in a flow of the world. We're not allowing our minds to adopt the theology and the uh, uh, ideology of the world. We're keeping focus on God and his kingdom. We're not operating with the proud, but we're humble. and We're allowing God to use us in whatever fashion he wants to use us. We're not saying you have to use us the way we want to be used, but how God wants to use us. And revival and a move of God springs out of that. And part of what we're talking about on Sunday morning is what are we going to do today? Are we going to stir up? Are we going to see what we're giving our body to? Are we going to look at what we're thinking about all day long? What is our mind on all day long? Are we going to look at areas where it's about us and not about someone else and not about God? Are we going to humble ourselves? Are we going to begin to look and say, God, what are you doing in my life? What are the graces in my life? What are the giftings in my life? What is it that you want me to do? Wherever I am, what do you want me to do? We begin to join together, not in competition of what each other one is doing, but we're honoring and giving preference to one another. that preference and we revere, we respect the gifts in one another. We're not competing who's got the best gift, who shines the brightest, but we're saying and supporting one another. Use your gifts. Use them. Wherever you are, use them. As you start using them, they will start to flourish. People will be affected. And we as the body begin to honor one another and the gifts that are on the inside of them. I believe it's a time for us to stand out more and more. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... If any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded and have the same love, being of one accord and of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. He says that honor and esteem for one another causes the church to be known, causes the church to be seen. We know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. They will know that we are his disciples by our love one for another. That brotherly love creates a mutual respect and a mutual esteem for one another. Listen, even in this time, coronavirus, masks, no mask, whether we believe in healing or we're going to obey rules are not rules that come down our way it's tried to divide the body of christ we're not esteeming one another and how somebody sees it and what they're working with and the enemy can come in and he can divide us as a church by political means by this virus by whatever he is a divider he's not a uniter we have to come to god and allow god to bring us and to esteem one another more highly than our own rights and privileges, but to esteem others better than ourselves. Why? Because one of the most or the deepest areas that the enemy will work to create evil is in selfishness. And when that word comes up, we all like to say we're not selfish and point out how I am not selfish because I do this and I don't do that. And there's way too many eyes in explaining that we're not selfish. All right, let's finish up here. Back to Romans chapter 12. I love you too, Charlotte. If you don't understand baby talk, that's amen. Amen, Uncle Mark. Amen. (laughs) Preach it, Uncle Mark. Preach it. (laughs) Romans chapter 12. Glory to God. All right verse 11 he says not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the Lord He said now is not the time to be lazy Now is not the time to slow down Now is the time to see how we can serve and to do it with diligence to do it with purpose to not wait until tomorrow not when it's convenient not to procrastinate, but diligently begin to serve one another. He says, not lagging in diligence, not being lazy in the things that you must put your hand to, but be diligent and be fervent in spirit. That word fervent means hot to boiling. He said, listen, if you get diligent, you start serving because the Spirit of God is urging you to serve. There's going to be a fire that stirs on the inside of you. There's going to be a longing that stirs on the inside of you. It's going to move you into serving God with a great understanding, a great fervor, a great fire on the inside of you. And they go together. Right? If we're just like, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. I don't feel like it. There's not much fire. But if you serve, you get a fire. If you got a fire, you serve with diligence, one or the other. But there's got to be something going on, stirring, burning on the inside of you to serve the Lord in whatever capacity, with whatever gifts that you start to realize and recognize. It's about serving the Lord. It's not serving self-interest. It's not serving the course of this world. We're overcoming evil with good. And it comes in diligence in serving the Lord with a fervent spirit. Number 12, verse 12, it says, rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So I know I lost some of you, but we're number four is serving with grace. Number five is understanding your grace and using it or your gift and using it. Number six is love. Number seven, don't be lazy. Number eight, allow your character to be developed. If we're going to overcome evil with good, we have to be people of character. As we talked about last Sunday morning, rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope. Paul is reiterating something that he said in, in, in Romans chapter 5. He said, we stand, by faith we stand in this grace. And not only that, and he goes through a whole list of things, but he said, listen, we go through tribulation, and tribulation produces character, and character hope, and the Our hope doesn't make us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. When we're in a place where our hope is removing us... Where we understand today's present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Then we are patient in the midst of tribulation. Why? Because we actively are working in hope. I know that what will be revealed after this time of tribulation or trouble is greater than when I entered into it. He's saying, listen, don't do this. The word he uses for patient in tribulation means stay there. Instead of looking for a way of escape when trouble comes, stay in that place and let God develop character in you so that your hope is produced. God didn't bring the trouble the enemy did, but when we do what James says, we rejoice when temptings, testings, and trials come because the trying of our faith works what? Patient endurance. And after patience has had its process and its work, we come out complete and entire, lacking nothing. How many of you would like to be more complete, lacking nothing? Many times we don't get there because when trouble comes, we escape the trouble instead of knowing there's a hope on the other side of this. And we rejoice in the hope that's on the other side. And so we patiently endure and allow God to strengthen our faith and develop the character that is needed. And we stay steadfast in prayer through that trial. And we come out the other side better than we went in. Stronger than we went in. Trusting God more than when we went in. There's something on the other side of difficulty and saying god this is difficulty the enemy has come against my life but you are greater and i will not trust the difficulty i will not look at the signs that this must be terrible i must have done something terrible i'm following you and i'm in the midst of trouble and there's something that will be transformed in me by staying with you through this time of trouble believing you trusting you allowing you to guide me through this time of trouble and how do i get there i pray steadfastly and i rejoice in the other side even though I'm in the midst of that trouble. Listen, if we look for a way of escape, the enemy tempts us to always escape something that God would use to even more complete us. We're overcoming evil with good. If we're following the ways the enemy is trying to lead us, rather than staying with God, we won't overcome evil. But if we understand how to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation and steadfast in prayer through no matter what the trouble is, We will overcome the strategy of the enemy and overcome evil with good. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for every person watching my live stream. I thank you for this day and this hour that we live in. I thank you truly, God, that we have been brought to this time, this generation for such a time as this. You are the Almighty God. You know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You know history. You know the now. You know the future. And we are here in this place with you now in an ordained time to be the church in this generation at this time. Cause us to know and to see and have wisdom as the sons of Issachar did, to know the times. As we know the times, we not only know what the enemy is doing out there, and we see it, but we understand what you desire to do right now. Open our eyes to see what you're doing. Open our ears to hear what you're saying. Grant unto us that spirit of seeing and knowing that we might walk with you every single day. We wouldn't put things off, but today we would work and and, and be focused on a life that is good. We don't allow the news of evil. We don't allow the pull of things that are wrong and evil to dictate our life, but we overcome evil with good because we are an overcoming people, a victorious people, a triumphant people. I ask you for just a fresh oil, a fresh anointing upon each and every one, a grace, a strength, a stirring of the gifts, an empowerment to see and to know what it is that we do as we encounter people in our day-to-day life that don't know you. How might we reach out and have the opportunity to bring the love of Christ and the knowledge of salvation to those around us? Let us be the catalyst and the spark for a revival in our region. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus. Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fault. fault. If you're watching, you're giving. Uh, There's a number of ways to give. Text online. Uh, You can mail it in. If you're here and you brought your gift today and you need an